You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here from SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. Hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and that you are ready for another chat. It is time for the BTB Roundtable. We do this every single Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central Time. Central Time because that's Cowboys time. We have a panel of handsome experts joining me this evening. Starting clockwise, we have Tom Ryle. You can read his work at bloggingtheboys.com. You can hear him every Thursday on the Blog and the Boys podcast network on Riled Up with Roy White. At our 4 o'clock position, we have David Howman, who insists on having two underscores in his Twitter handle. That's <laughs> at underscore DH44 underscore. You can read Howman's incredible work at bloggingtheboys.com as well. Beneath me, only in StreamYard, never anywhere else, we have the one and only Dave Sturgio from Chop Sports. You can hear him every Sunday on the Blog and the Boys pregame show, the Jersey Boys show that we have here at BTV, along with Brett Ernst and Keith Ernst. He is on Twitter at Dave Sturgio as well. Boys, the Dallas Cowboys are one and one. Life is good. Tom, you are the one who is singing. So uh, what is the song in your heart right now? Uh, celebrate. I can't remember who did celebrate it, by cool in the gang today yeah. is actually September 21st. So do you remember, you know, yeah. this is the night I remember. Yeah, that would be it. So yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's so much better to have a win. Uh, you know, the, o- the only downside is it was a, it was so close. There were opportunities the Cowboys had to, I think, take over the game, but they've got the win in the end. Uh, you know, there were some questionable things that we'll get to delve into, but man, now they're, they sit there literally in that position where they have a stretch of games coming where they, if they play well and start stringing some wins together, they can take command of the division. The Dallas Cowboys uh, will be two and one as of a week from today, because they're obviously <laughs> going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night football. Howman, um, this is the best week following the Cowboys since when? Because even all the, the wins post stack injury last year were hollow. Um, so is this the best one since the Atlanta with a week following the Atlanta win last year? Um, you know, where, where do you put it? I think probably the Atlanta game. Um, definitely the best win they've had since, obviously, uh, when, when Dak went down. Um, I, my first thought, I went back to that 2018 season. Um, you know, when they started out three and five, and then they ripped off that those string of wins. Yeah, five game win streak. That was right? a, a yeah, pretty after high they moment. for Amari, for sure. Yeah, Amari, Amari changed everything that year. Um, I bleed blue. Uh, three sixty five says the Saints win, which was the the fifth, uh, no, the fourth win in a row that they had that year. Uh, to your point, Hammon, on Thursday night football when they shocked the world. Um, so good job by by you yeah. to be in lockstep. Are you I believe blue three sixty five? You were uh, what was what were you what was uh what was the handle that you were last week like sexy fried or deep fried sexy deep whatever fried it was? sexy deep fried yeah. sexy. I was doing it in for that one. Um, but yeah, so so you're saying you might have to go all the way back to 2018 to kind of find the same sort of butterflies you've been feeling this week. Yeah, it, I mean it's it's 
been a while since you know wins felt this this good and you kind of had this feeling that you were going to be able to build off of it mm. yeah i think that's fair uh sturge is it fair to say this is the highest quality win in the mike mccarthy era yeah yeah i mean this uh, i mean i didn't say the same thing i said last year when that watermelon kick and the, the, the craziness that was with atlanta and we got out of there with a win me and my brother literally embraced hugged and said we're going to the super bowl this year like that was that kind of win where you felt like it was going to propel you and obviously the rest is history i didn't say that i, I did not say that this year uh greg's our hits the field goal don't get me wrong hugged embraced the sturgeo family went absolutely nuts but there was no aspirations after that it was a, a very happy happy win and I, I've, I've also turned it into instead of victory monday it's now just a victory week i'm taking this all week long and i'm in, i'm embracing it you know um it's a nice week and you know the rest of the division looks winnable you know it would have been nice if the packers would have lost you know what i mean like that would have also gone a long way at kind of making things you know go just a little bit further um in, in the direction of joy and happiness and prosperity and whatnot but tom is is it me or is there still a sense of measured you know pumping of the brakes from cowboys fans it's almost like people are i don't want to say unwilling to believe but maybe unwilling to trust um, even though so many people are so high on the Chargers and, and they beat Washington two weeks ago and Dallas went to L.A. and got a win. I mean, what is it about the way the Cowboys won, you think, that has people unconvinced? Well, the bungles, the, the errors we mm. saw, uh, some of which may not have been as big an error as we thought. And, you know, it, it was razor thin. You know, you've got like four seconds to go with a tie game. It's 56 yards to take the win on a Greg Zerline field goal when he struggled the week before. You know, you don't like playing on the Razor's edge because one-score games just historically are a 50-50 chance of, of either team pulling it out. What we want to see is the Cowboys get down to that point with a, a solid two-score lead and not have to worry as they're going under the, the final two-minute warning. Then you can start to believe in the team. And you have to think that people are still shell-shocked from 2020. They saw what happened. On the flip side, we have to feel a whole lot better about how this team handled missing starters. That was just, to me, the best part of that game. They were down seven projected starters for that game. And they came out, played their hearts out, and pulled out the win. You know, Tom, I think um, you bring up an interesting point in that people are still kind of connected to 2020. And even if we go back to 2019, kind of the maybe not second half and maybe kind of final third of that season was, was already kind of thrown away. You know, the team clearly quit on Jason Garrett right around Thanksgiving when they got blown out by Buffalo. The next week against Chicago was really rough. I know they had the nice win against the Rams uh, in week 15 of that year. And everybody thought, OK, they're going to turn it around. But then they went and lost to Philly. And it just it didn't it didn't really feel right. I think the last time that things were good um, or felt good might have been the night of the Dak hip thing. Uh, there was October 20th, 2019, when they returned from losing to the Jets and they just beat the crap out of the Eagles. And everybody thought, OK, they've stopped the skid. This team always fights for Garrett. They're going to find a way, whatever. But that season was still so chaotic. Um, you you noted, Tom, that there were a lot of positive things and we're definitely going to get to those. But uh, it's I don't want to say it's time to talk negative, uh, but uh, there are some things that people obviously 
are upset about uh, when it comes to the Cowboys and the way they handled certain things. Among them is the bungles. What was the top bungle in your mind from Sunday afternoon, Hellman? Um, I th- I would say the, the top bungle was the clock management there at the end. And I know that... Mm, I, we have, know, they, I think they, we have they, some differing takes on this, but go ahead. They, I mean, I know that they've talked about like there was the the one of the clocks that McCarthy was looking at went blank. The one that Kellen Moore was looking at was blocked by a camera operator. Um, I, I'm I'm you know I'm willing to buy that that slowed them down somewhat, but at the same time, like you got to be better prepared. Um, you got to be you got to have a, a play call ready. Tony Pollard is running to the sideline like he needs to know ahead of time. Like if we're calling a run play you're either calling the timeout afterwards or you're running up for another play. You can't be subbing people out like that. Um, so they're, they they need to be planning ahead better like that. And I think genuine, generally we've seen better planning ahead from Kellen Moore in the past. Um, but I, for, for whatever reason, at the right, right at the end of there, it didn't quite work out. Luckily, they still got the win, but something to clean up going forward. So you bring up a very fair point, Halman, you know, I, I will say I'd slightly – I don't disagree. I just have a different line of thought. Sturge, I'll be honest, um, in most of our reviews and commenters support this, you're kind of the resident homer uh, when it comes to the Cowboys. <laughs> um, I bleed blue 365, which is not how it says. I liked the clock management. I wanted more yards, but I thought they played well. Again, it's a 56-yard field goal. Um, Joseph Colon says, I agree, bleed blue, but Cowboys fans thrive on drama. Where do you fall on this, Sturge? Was it – fair was it maybe a little misguided and you know we're making too big of a deal out of it should we only focus on the fact that they won should it be something that was a mistake but they can learn that lesson without any consequences because they won uh because this is a big talking point and you know Mike McCarthy has dug his own hole here in terms of touting himself as analytics god and so now everybody leans on that narrative anytime he he makes a simple mistake like this or seemingly makes a mistake but I mean, who are you pointing any fingers here, Sturch, or are you just happy that the Cowboys beat the Chargers? I mean, of course you're happy that they won the game, but it, the, the I think one of the main points that people are starting to for, or forget that this this field goal, that the field goal they were playing for, was not for a win or a loss. You know what I mean? Like it was o- it was only for a win or overtime. So the fact that they took it all the way down the way they did it did rub me the wrong way. Cause I, it's, it gave me like those Garrett vibes. Like, are you really playing for the field goal right now? Like, is that what's going to happen? And then like the fact that they didn't get as many yards as you would hope. And then it's like, wait a minute, not only are they settling for a field goal, they're selling for 56 yard field goal. Is that what's about to happen here? But again, when it comes to Greg, the leg, you know, you're wondering, okay, he can't make the 30 yard chip shots, but I know this kid's got the boom. You know what I mean? So that's what we're all relying on. I don't necessarily agree with, I mean, there was like, it's almost as if everybody had a different excuse, you know, like, oh, but the camera operator was over there and oh, my, my clock went blank. You know, it's like, they don't want to back up the fact that that's exactly what they were doing. They were literally playing for that long field goal, take it all the way down. No time, no Tom Brady on the other side. It's just Justin Herbert this time, no time for anybody else to do anything else. Um, Yes, because he made the field goal. You like the decision. But if he misses the field goal, like, well, we could have got closer. There's a bunch of what ifs. But, uh, you know, if I'm looking at it on a on a Tuesday like we are right now, hell yeah, settle for that field goal. <laughs> he made the damn thing. So, so Tom, I'm going to throw in my two cents before you get an opportunity to because I'm that narcissistic. And um, <laughs> I was I, going to ask you. Thank you, Tom. I, <laughs> I don't view it as – so, you, Sturge, you painted it 
not in a bad way, but you said, well, they were playing for a field goal. Of course they were. They were playing. All, all they needed was a field goal. You know, I like think they if, were right. If, they, if, they could have played for an easier field goal. Is what if, I'm saying. if they're down three or two or one, I'm a lot more upset. But the circumstances are different, you know, based on the score. And so, you know, in that moment, if you don't make the field goal for whatever reason, you go to overtime. Like the game does not end if you don't accomplish this. And so uh, we have a comment here from I believe Boo 365 to leave no time on the clock was a plus compared to yesteryear. I, I know this sounds stupid because the priority is getting, getting points here. But to me, the top priority was draining the clock because the Cowboys defense had played really well. They'd obviously had a couple of turnovers. I think we're all starting to believe in them a little bit more, but they could in no way, shape, or form give the ball back to the Chargers. And I think that, you know, we're all sitting here and the Cowboys won, and that makes this picture rosy. But the fact that Brandon Staley wasn't aggressive in, you know, maintaining time for his quarterback to get the ball back, I think is more deserving of, of larger criticism than Mike McCarthy in this instance. Of course, winning does frame that conversation a certain way. But my, to me, the objective was get in field goal range. 56 yards is technically field goal range. Now, I don't think any of us really trust Greg Zerline. Uh, to, to your point, though, Sturge, he's much more comfortable hitting a five iron than a sandwich, which is right. very strange. Uh, but, I mean, get in field goal range. Drain the clock. If you can get as close as possible, great. But the, the, pri- the middle of the Venn diagram is getting in field goal range and draining the clock. And I think the Cowboys accomplished that. Tom, am I – sitting too much Kool-Aid in this manner. Is there Are the Cowboys more deserving of more criticism? Uh, well, I think they've certainly gotten enough criticism. I don't think we, we necessarily can, can add to that particular pile. Uh, it's been stated that they were really expecting the Chargers to call a timeout to try to preserve a little bit of time. Uh, you know, and as you highlighted what John LeGray said, their fans should be irritated that they didn't even try that. They could probably have used their timeouts and if things hadn't turned out differently on the, the, the Tony Pollard play just before the kick, they might have had time to try to go down and at least, you know, kick a field goal and get to overtime or, or maybe get a miracle Hail Mary or something. Uh, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm after further review and a couple of days to mull it over, I'm not too sure that was a huge bungle. And I'm also not sure that the idea of trying to block that uh, punt was as bad as a lot of people think, because that could have, that, that could have been a 60 yard swing and field goal position. And there's a, there's a serious question as to whether that was actually a penalty because it looked like he was blocked right in. Okay, Tom. All right. So we're all having a great time. <laughs> we're all, you know, um, generally passive here. Uh, these these roundtables, we do these every Tuesday for those of you who are joining us or those of you who are rewatching it on our YouTube channel. We will also post this on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. So uh, subscribe to the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. Subscribe to our podcast network wherever you get your podcast. Leave a rating, write a review. Tell Halman how wonderful his beard is, please. Um, has the best looking beard on this show, at least. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Come but, on. Um, I, no, I, I know. I say that to butter Halman up because I know he is very passionate against the people like Sturge and I that have a problem. Uh, with what John Fossil did. So to properly set the scene, in case anybody didn't see for whatever reason, doesn't remember, it's fourth and 20. There are two minutes left. The Cowboys are leading the Chargers 14 to 11, a halftime score agami, as we were told a thousand times. The Cowboys would have gotten the ball back 
approximately around their own 10 yard line. At that point in time, the Cowboys had scored touchdowns on two of their four possessions and they had turned it over on downs on one of the other two. So they had crossed, you know, into enemy territory 75% of the time. It's reasonable to believe they could have, you know, obtained more points some way, shape or form on that ensuing possession. John Fossil, though, hits on 20, decides, you know what? (laughs) I want to send the house here. The Cowboys commit a penalty. Tom, I will say and let Halvin respond. I don't care if the penalty is debatable or not. The fact that it's even in the field of possibility is what bothers me. And this is two straight first halves that the Cowboys and special teams specifically have been a little bit reckless near the end of them. But Halvin, I'll give you the floor. We'll debate it ourselves and then we'll play uh, what John Fossil said, which maybe destroys yours and Tom's argument because what he said was ridiculous. Um, well, I actually, uh, I have a piece coming out in the next day or two that really you'll be able to read that in depth. Um, but you're getting a, a little preview here. Um, the reason that I don't have a problem with it is one, because, uh, they were punting from about midfield. So it's not like you're getting the ball in a favorable spot. It was un- just under the two minute warning. And as it turns out, the punt that they did get off went to the 10 yard line so you're you're saying well we want the ball back but you're asking Dak Prescott to drive 90 yards down the field um which I'm not saying Dak can't do it I believe in Dak Prescott I'm totally fine with that that's better than no possession at all though is is, I think you're talking about trying to maximize your your chance at getting points if you go and successfully block that punt and you recover it that's a much shorter field when you're dealing with a much shorter clock and to that point as well the Chargers last year, actually, their punter led the league in blocked punts. Most of those came on fourth and long. And uh, when you go and look at how those punts were actually blocked, it was very similar to what the Cowboys were doing. So they were they were doing exactly what we've been asking for, begging for under Jason Garrett, which was adjusting their scheme and what they do to the weaknesses of the team that they're facing. And so they, they come up with that. And Fossil says, we know we can do this. We've seen it happen before. Let's go get that ball. I, I like the aggressive approach. So, okay, Sturch, I'll I'll defer to you in just a moment. I, yeah. Howman, I'm not saying that the idea has zero merit. To be clear, like I don't I don't think this is a 100 zero percent proposition. So fine, like there is some semblance of logic to what you're proposing. And everybody read what Howman wrote at blogonthebus.com. Uh, that should be out tomorrow, I believe, on Wednesday. My problem with this is like in in no universe am I saying I'd rather drive a longer field than a shorter field, right? Like nobody is saying that, right? Like, of course, if you can block the punt, do it. But it's fourth and 20. And the consequences here are you surrender a new set of downs to a quarterback that at that point is at midfield, to your point. And the evidence doesn't necessarily like out, you know, totally prove that this was a bad idea. But the Chargers did attempt a field goal and they missed it. And so this was a game that the Cowboys won by three. So, you know, a matter of luck, seemingly, you know, missed field goals, there's obviously skill involved here, but a matter of luck tilts this in a direction where we just sat here and all kind of like squared the way the Cowboys handled the end of the game. But if if John Fossil's whoops-a-daisy, as, as I've termed it, I know Tom and <laughs> Howman haven't, but if John Fossil's whoops-a-daisy leads to a successful field goal for the Chargers, then we're definitely sitting here and criticizing Mike McCarthy's final you know, decision-making process. And that's just football in general, right? Like everything changes in a matter of moments and matters of particular plays. But Sturch, I mean, th- this, this seemed, the, the, benef- the benefit exists, but the benefit seemingly does not 
outweigh the risk. Stephen White here says if he blocked it, then everyone would have loved it. He was blocked and didn't <laughs> stop this topic. This topic is extremely relevant because it's very relevant. He he gambled points that the Chargers could have theoretically had. I uh I listen, I know I'm with Howman in the whole like, you know, playing to the weaknesses and stuff like that, and making adjustments on the fly, and I get that. But this right here, this is a this is this is a football, a football situation. Not like we're gonna find out, you know, this guy's gotten his kick blocked a million times, so let's go after him. This is a it's fourth and twenty. Well, a million times would be enough to justify it, to be fair. Correct. <laughs> Correct. But and that's just math, right? But I'm just saying, like it, it, this is a football thing where if Fossil comes out and says, you know what, we're sending the house, McCarthy of all people should say, wait, what? Hold on. It's fourth and 20, and we're about to get the ball back because if anything goes wrong on this in the operation, right, there's potential the Chargers get the ball back, and they did. You know what I mean? So, like, this is this is a, a football thing. This is not like trying to not trying to adjust to their weaknesses. This is just like nine times out of ten, all your analytics say, fourth and 20, back the heck up. Get yourself the ball. See what you can do with it. See what you can do with it. Because, look, uh, you act as if, you know, we haven't seen Dak Prescott move the ball down the field effectively in his pe- in his career with less time. You know so, what I mean? Like, it's possible. To that point, and Howman, I would subscribe to what you're saying more if Washington did this, if the New York Jets did this, right? Like, if, if, a, if an offense that, you know, struggled, and to be fair, the Cowboys offense wound up struggling in the second half in this game. So maybe that, you know, maybe John Fossil's a prophet. Uh, but at that <laughs> point in time, you know, the Cowboys offense had again crossed midfield in, on 75% of their possessions. But at the, Tom, if this is an offense that, you know, is because that happens, right? Like, at, you know, at the midway point of the season, there will be an offense in the NFL. Pick whoever you want. It will wind up being Denver or Carolina. I don't care if they're 2-0. and You know, you have to be more aggressive in other capacities to to justify or, or to, to overcompensate your weak offense. So, like, I understand rolling those dice, but this is the Dallas Cowboys. This is, again, a team that had had success on offense. And so, I don't know. I Tom, I'll say this. And you're going to have to answer a, a big question here, Tom. So, Thankfully, this is you because you're the strongest of all four of us. Uh, but I I think you all know I had a huge problem with the Greg Zerline field goal attempt at the end of the first half against Tampa. That was irresponsible and that was reckless. And then, you know, what what went beyond that was all last week, the Cowboys, you know, caped for themselves. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Greg Zerline just recently had surgery. You know, we just pulled him off the public. Right. So then why the hell are you sending him out there to right. kick this 60 yard field goal? He's and, very rusty. Get on out you know, there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I had I had somebody tweet at me when I was, you know, really upset about this last week. They said, well, Jordan Lewis almost returned that interception you know, on oh. that Hail Mary. It's and look, the fact that Tom Brady's pass entered the airspace of the end zone is is certifiable proof that what they did was reckless. I mean, you're talking about a potential 10-point swing there. If, you know, he throws it to Rob Gronkowski, who we know obviously is capable of coming down with touchdowns like that. This was almost, you know, a, a, a three-point swing, six-point swing. You can call Because if you can consider that the Cowboys could have conceivably gone and, and kicked a field goal. I, I know you mentioned how many you believe in Dak Prescott. I know you do too, Tom. So if we're to assume that, an admitted assumption, the fact that the Chargers were even able to attempt a field goal you know, theoretically suggests a possible six-point swing. So John Fossil, you know, I would be way more inclined to, to be on y'all's side, Tom and Howman, if we hadn't seen this exact same sort of reckless behavior last week from this exact same special teams coach in almost the exact same moment of the game, the end of the first half. Tom, do, do I have any substance to my points? Let me just say this. We've been begging 
for analytics to be more used. And this just smells like the analytics said, here is a team you go after the pun the, the, the punter on because you can get a block and you know, you, you want to have the analytics, then you have to ride with the analytics. I'm also in, in, uh, interested by the implication you had early, just a few moments ago that Sturch does not support Dak Prescott since you mentioned everybody else. But uh, no, I, Wait, I. What? <laughs> yeah. I said a lot of things. I might have, you know, accidentally well, you crossed a few wires. That's out. my bad. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> Tom, you got to be careful because then somebody hears this or whatever. They're coming after Sturch and you just ruined Sturch's no. day. No, know? we yeah, know. No. We, we know Sturch loves him some Dak. But, uh, oh, me. <laughs> yeah, I got you. But the, I don't feel as bad about it. when it happened. Yeah, I was very upset. But that's why you have to take a day or two to digest mm. and look at things. And I think this might come down a little bit to the whole thing that John Fossil has a little Jerry Jones in him and he okay. runs as well when he should. Let's, let's pause right here, Tom, and let's play. So th we're talking here on Tuesday. Again, we do these live streams every Tuesday. Actually, about 24 hours ago, almost to the moment that we are talking, uh, all of the Cowboys coordinators spoke. Kellen Moore came out. Boy Wonder, Jimmy Neutron, awesome. Dan Quinn comes out. I don't think he has any Cowboys gear that is not camo. He seems to love it, you know, to a supreme degree. And then John Fossil comes out, and he's asked – about this decision and says this. Yep. Um, the thought process was, I think Cowboys fans aren't the play it safe type. So I was going to give them what they wanted, come after their ass on punt rush. So I hope they're happy with it because we, we, came, we came after them. Um, it's kind of the mindset going into the game that we're going we're gonna to come after this, come after this football. Um, and you can sure debate everything, <laughs> um, but I'm still not so sure that we actually roughed him. <laughs> okay, so uh. I I will actually let's let's all answer this question. Yes or no? Just I'll, that's all I want, Tom. Yes or no? Do you legitimately believe that that's John Fossil's, you know, mo here? He's operating the way Cowboys fans want him to. Yes or no? Do you really believe that? No. Hellman. No. Search. No. Yeah. I don't believe that either, but that makes it worse for me because, you know, at least, you know, like even if, if fine, if you have conviction in what you did, John Fossil, cool. I respect go down with the ship, be like a ship captain, but I mean, be responsible with what you're saying to your point, Tom, this answer only stirs the pot and maybe John Fossil enjoyed it. You know what I mean? Cause he's clearly trolling people here. So, so maybe there was a moment of personal satisfaction, but all this does is incite Cowboys fans in a weird way, because this is a moment that whether, you know, you want to argue for or against it, it is a moment that is worthy of debate. So I do think this is at the very least extremely unwise of Fossil from a political landscape. Tom. Yeah. He was basically trying to blame shift. If you take it at face value, uh, and, you know, the old saying is that coaches who go by what the fans want wind up sitting next to them in the stands before Ooh, too long. Tom, you're a so, poet. Yeah, that's not original. <laughs> Come on. But uh, it's I, it, he just needed to have a better answer. And like you said, the answer was, look, we looked at the vulnerability of the Chargers. We felt this was an opportunity for a big swing for our team. So we took our shot. Uh, you know, it didn't work out the way we wanted to, but we dodged a bullet at the end. So, you know, that was the answer. 
what he gave was just mm, that didn't sit well. No. Halman, it reminded me of Jason Garrett when he was asked about Tavon Austin with the fair catch against the Minnesota Vikings mm. in 2019. That's what it reminded me of. Is that fair? I honestly don't even remember what Garrett said at that part. He, he blamed so at the end I, of the I blocked Vikings it out of my game, memory. He, he he blamed Tavon at the end of the Vikings game. There's a punt right. going Tavon Austin's way because Tavon Austin was a route the Cowboys pursued, um, and um, <laughs> and there's there's nothing but open field in front of Tavon Austin at the time of the return, and he fair catches it. There's like I think there's like 19 seconds left at this point in, in the game. There's there's very little time, but the point is. He can he can potentially rip off a run, but he's instructed no matter what you got to fair catch it. And Jason Garrett kind of threw Tavon Austin under the bus, which may have been true that you know he was told that, or maybe maybe Tavon took matters into his own hands. But I mean, it was not a wise thing of Jason Garrett to say because every Cowboys fan had a thought and opinion on that, and Jason Garrett only incited it further and poured gasoline on the fire. That's what I feel like John Fossil did here. Maybe John Fossil's pissed off and tired of hearing this, but welcome to being a coach for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think it's the same situation. Um, I well, for starters, it didn't cost the Cowboys the game. They they won, um, and I think I mean, personally, I don't have a problem with what he said. I mean, John oh, Fossil wow. when 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 John Fossil took over this Cowboys team, they had their special teams were one of the worst. They ranked thirtieth in the NFL out of thirty two in special teams DVOA, and they were thirty second after week one. They, yeah. I was going to say, nothing's really they changed were. there. They were, but actually it did change because last year they went all the way to seventh in DVOA on special teams, and that was without even having a proper offseason to work with everybody. And all through all of last year, Fossil was always every, – every time they, they tried something on special teams and it didn't work out because, well, last year's team was pretty bad, he was getting raked over the coals. This year, this game, he goes and – he has a good opportunity to, to block a punt. He goes and does it uh, and doesn't actually work out. And then his special teams wins the game at the end with Greg Zerline kicking that field goal. And he's, he's just, his, his response to me is kind of like, guys, we won. Enjoy the win. Suck it up. We're going to be aggressive and we're going to go for the points every time. Um, and I think, you know, if, if, if that's who you are and that's your identity, and it's, it's very clearly the identity of the special teams sure. group and, Mike McCarthy's team as a whole now. Um, if that's your identity, you got to own it. And you know, if if the fans don't like it, well, once you start winning games, they'll like it. Just win, baby. So um, oh. I don't know if, if you or if anyone has seen um, this week's DVOA ratings. They have just come out uh, recently, at least from Football Outsiders. Um, this is my first time seeing them. Checking them during the stream. The Cowboys' offense, in case anybody is curious, ranks seventh in offensive DVOA. Not a shocker. Um, I don't think that anyone defense twenty second. So moving on up. The special teams did improve from 32nd to 28th. Uh, so, you know, hey, uh, and, you know, in a bit of irony, the Los Angeles Rams, John Fossil's old team, are 32nd in special teams DVOA right now. But a lot of that is that uh, that punt fiasco where uh, the, the the protector had the ball tip off of his arm and ended up as an Indianapolis touchdown. So, you know, John Fossil must be doing something right. I do, um, I do think, Sturge, that it is a matter of like, hey, everybody shut up, you know, whatever. Um, but I do think that I, I, I think and how many you're right. The special teams did improve from 2019, although that was a really low bar to clear. But this time last year, remember, we were all really remember how bad Tony Pollard was at kickoff returns last year. 
early on. I mean, he was awful at this. You know, I think that John Fossil gets a little bit of a pass because the, the aggressive things when they work are super cool like the return against Pittsburgh, you know, but there are a lot of bad moments like the fake against Washington on Thanksgiving. And so mm. there is a, a sense of measured risk that I, John Foss, like I said, he's just addicted to it. He's just, he's always going to hit no matter what. And sometimes if you hit on 20, you'll hit the ace. But I mean, there's a lot of other cards in the deck is, is kind of my point here. Uh, Sturge, I know that you are passionate about this subject and I think that you're going to be one against three here. So, um, I want to bring it up. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, <laughs> Tony Pollard. This is a thing. I mean, I, to be clear here, this has been a thing, I think at least for us at blogging the boys, but it's now become like a national talk radio thing. Um, Sturge, I think you're going to be the last one to die on the Zeke Hill. Uh, your thoughts on how everybody is showering Tony Pollard with love and affection this week? Okay, first of all, warranted. Oh. Tony Tony Pollard played played great. Okay, he his stat line was incredible. Here's the thing: that headline right there says Ezekiel Elliott versus Tony Pollard. You, you wrote know, it to be clear. I didn't. I didn't write any of this. I'll tell you right now. I'm, this is where I'm changing it to: Ezekiel Elliott and and Tony oh, Pollard. I got, I got you. Don't worry. And Tony Pollard. I am so tired of, like, Cowboys Twitter is a dark place. Trust me. I, I got buried last week with Jalen Smith takes. Okay, ah, the there same. it is. Keep going. Right. <laughs> so I'm telling you right now, here's the thing. You are allowed, believe it or not, because last night, the genius that is Booger McFarlane on ESPN uh, started comparing the comparing and contrasting what, what they should do, what they should do. I said, riddle me this. Has a team ever had two complimentary backs does any cowboys fan out there remember marion barber and felix jones when one guy was hard-nosed downfield runner beat up the defense and then mr finesse would come in and just felix bolt down the field the guy i would use as an example fine you know what i'm saying no. you know what i mean <laughs> you know what i'm talking about as far as a thunder and lightning type of thing ezekiel elliott right now right now i'm, I'm i'll die on this hill he is the most complete back in the league. When I say that, oh. he can run the ball, okay? He can run the ball. He's not the greatest runner in the league. But have you ever seen anybody lay the wood like this guy picking up a block? Zeke Elliott is doing his job right now. And if that doesn't mean lighting up your fantasy scoreboard, I'm sorry. And I'm sure he's not even giving an ounce of a crap about your fantasy team right now. Tony Pollard is a complimentary back. There's no this or that. It's both of them. Cowboys Nation, guess what? We got two really good running backs. It's time to take advantage of all the the, the perks that come with this. Tom, and I'm going to save you for last because I think your answer is going to be the most volatile. Tom, <laughs> you were the one who clapped uh, when when Sturch uh, went out. By the way, Skyler says, I love it, Sturch. So you yeah. are Thank you, Skyler. To the people. Eric, in all caps, why can't we be happy? We have a two-headed monster. Jesus. Had a boy, Eric. I always thought the concept of two-headed monsters didn't make sense. Like, do they have one digestive system? You know, oh. like there, if there are two people there, uh, like who's controlling the arms, whatever. Um, but um, Tom, look, nobody is saying that. Like, throw Zeke away, get him off the team. I don't think anybody's saying that. I think the argument is. Tony Pollard deserves more touches and deserves to be incorporated more in the run game. Nobody is upset. In fact, people are thrilled with, you know, the way Zeke Elliott can protect in the passing game. But it's it's difficult to square that he's being paid $90 million for that. And that's where this discussion comes from, Tom. Okay. Well, first off, it's not Ezekiel Elliott's fault that they gave him $90 million. Sure. Good for Zeke. 100%. Good great. for Zeke. 
I do want to thank Sturch for unintentionally promoing the article I have up right now talking about thunder and lightning. Com- company guy, company guy. We're yes. going to put this this video in that article, by the way, everybody. So make sure you read it at blogandtheboys.com. Yeah. So it uh, it to it's it's just to me, you've got something that worked beautifully in a game. They were actually almost balanced. It was like a 55-45% split on on carries. And yes, I do think that Elliott goes out there, wears down the defense a little bit. Pollard comes in and and then can exploit that. And I also think that maybe the defensive players, you know, get a certain rhythm of playing against Elliott. And for a, you know, just a split second, they can get thrown off when Pollard is quicker and faster. I love the way it worked. And I think that's the way it should go forward. I think Elliott is is your battering ram and and Pollard is is your rapier. You know, you slap you you cut through with him. And I don't care. I don't care how the yards are accumulated. They got 180 yards rushing from those two. That is great. That is outstanding in today's NFL. It lets you do things. It's part of why this was a very odd game. There were only 15 total possessions in the whole game because both teams were hanging on to it. That's why special teams weren't out there very much. Uh, You know, the Cowboys wisely were kicking it into the end zone every time. The other team, the Chargers were kicking and letting Pollard have a chance of returning, which makes me think teams see an advantage in that, which disturbed me a little bit. But with Ezekiel and Pollard, it is we've got both, and we ought to be very thankful. We may be in one of the best positions at the running game of anybody in the league when it's against a team you can run the ball against because kudos to Kellen Moore for knowing which way to go in which game. So uh, a few things, Hammond, to set you up. First of all, EK says Pollard complements the offense better, which is, I think, a lot of people's point. Again, nobody's saying that Zeke can't be effective, but it's clear and obvious that on an average run, whatever the circumstances may be, that Pollard is the more effective runner. Um, we have a really interesting point here from DJ Dog 31 here who says, how come there is no Chubb versus Hunt debate? Don't eat the cheese, Cowboys fans. And Howman, I would say that the reason there is no debate is because the better back, the more efficient back, is the one that's given deference in that offense, in Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt's definitely fantastic, but Nick Chubb justifies why he's involved in that sense in the run game. Speaking of Nick Chubb, he is the only running back with a higher running grade from Pro Football Focus this season than Tony Pollard. Um, So, Howman, I mean, if you... I, I think, Common, you're on the Pollard deserves to be incorporated more train. Maybe I'm wrong. I've kind of been wrong on some of the reads for you today. The beard is really camouflaging a lot of things. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but where do you stand here? Um, I mean, I honestly don't really care as much who gets which, what, how much usage, as long as they actually produce. And, you know, last week we saw uh, in, in Tampa, we saw that, they really only, I mean, they didn't run hardly at all and for good reason. And so they mostly used Zeke because he's a much better pass protector. This week they used Tony Pollard a lot more because when he gets out in space, he can take advantage of that defense. Um, on, on Tony Pollard's touchdown in, in the beginning of the game, it was really great because you saw on the replay, they didn't even block Joey Bosa because they know he's coming inside and Tony Pollard's going around on the outside. He's got the speed to, to beat that matchup. So I think Kellen Moore has demonstrated he has a good understanding of when to use Zeke, when to use Pollard. And, 
you know, we, and we saw both against Tampa and against the Chargers, you know, this offense with Kellen Moore running the show and Dak Prescott uh, back there taking the snap, they're going to get their yards. It doesn't matter to me if it's on the ground, if it's through the air, if it's Zeke or Pollard, just get the ball down the field, get the ball in the end zone and, you know, get results. Mm, a true fence rider. Thomas, respect. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll add, though, to just to, just to take a position, I, I will add, um, you know, the fact that Tony Pollard is so great and productive and he was a fourth-round pick versus spending a fourth overall pick on Ezekiel Elliott and then spending $90 million, it, it proves that you can get really good production from a running back, whether they're a first-round pick, a fourth-round pick, um, Alfred Morris was very productive for both the Cowboys and for Washington. He was a sixth round pick. Um, you know, you, you see it all around the league. So I would, as much as I like Zeke as a person and as a running back and what he's done for Dallas, um, I would like in the future to not be spending so much cap money on the running back position when you can get that kind of production elsewhere. Well, well maybe they learn their lesson with this. You know? to, be, to be fair to that point, Sturge, we are seeing them not play their contracts, which is nice. Like, because the, the, this whole discussion, the fact that we're having this discussion, uh, this discussion is evidence that they're not, you know, giving Zeke any preference or preferential treatment because of his contract. Same holds true with Jalen Smith. Are mm-hmm. those contracts we wish the Cowboys hadn't handed out? Of course, but they are no longer seemingly bound by them, which is an improvement on, you know, at this point, the contracts are water under the bridge. You can't go back and undo it. And again, good for Zeke Elliott that he got his money. I mean, I, I'm ha- happy and satisfied when any NFL player gets their money. Uh, but Howman, to your point, that frames a lot of the, a lot of people's stances here. Uh, and I think the, you know, the, the terminology of running backs don't matter, I think is a little too harsh. They, they clearly matter, but they're clearly found most easily compared to anybody else. You mentioned sixth-round picks. Tom Ryle will agree the greatest running back in NFL history was a sixth-round pick, Darius Jackson, of course. Um, sorry, Tom, to, to tug at your heartstrings. Uh, James Pitts asks uh, a big question for all four of you guys. Sturge, I'll start with you. Do you believe we can run with these guys until break and go all out, all out the remainder of the season to get to the promised land? Sturge, you are the resident homer, so basically the question is, can the Cowboys win the Super Bowl with this formula? With this formula right now, it's working. You know, it's funny. Every time, you know, last year, uh, there was times where, like, when Tony Pollard was on the field, you were like, but where's Zeke? Is he hurt? Is there, like, is he getting, is he gassed? You know what I mean? Like, that's why there's a supplement. Now it's like, if Pollard's out there, you're like, all right, this is going to be good, too. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're optimistic. Like, these are, they can make something out of everything that they have. As far as this formula goes with the the complimentary, yeah, I mean, look, you, you, the one guy mentioned Kareem Hunt and uh, Nick Chubb, and, and that running game is great. But that 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 offense runs through Baker Mayfield and how he can manage you know manage that team. I think that with Dak doing his thing, where whether he's checking it off at the line, and I know you know week one he was checking out of a million runs, um, but again, justifiably so that we took what we were given. But this team, as constructed right now, uh, they could definitely make a run in the NFC East. And then get to the dance, and if it, you know, if the if they're still treading the tires at the end of the dance, you know, once you get in there, it's anybody's game. So I think that this formula could definitely be successful, especially if the offensive line stays upright. Tom, are you predicting the Cowboys win the Super Bowl? <laughs> I'm predicting they're going to make a run at it. Uh, no not, pun intended. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go out and and make these over 
overarching statements, these, these over-optimistic things. We've got a lot of football yet to play. I will say there's some favorable things working for them. You know, first off, you as long as you've got Dak, you've got hope. Second mm-hmm. off, Kellen Moore is, is cranking. Uh, I think we're seeing some improvements mm-hmm. with Dan Quinn and the defense. It's coming along a little more slowly. But his use of Micah Parsons was great. And a lot of the players stepped up. We actually have a viable room of safeties. Uh, Jalen Smith had his best game in a long, long time. Uh, they managed to get some pass rush out of it. They get you know a decent amount of pressure. It wasn't great, but they still were pressuring Herbert. Uh, and the Cowboys may actually start may actually get healthier as the season goes on for a while. You know, we're going to see people coming back. I think they're hoping Gallimore will be back in week four. Uh, We know Randy Gregory is supposed to be at practice tomorrow. And a lot of things may actually kind of be in their favor, not the least of which is the schedule. Um, This is a great point. We'll get to the schedule in a moment. Halman, um, I don't need you to answer that question. Sorry, because I want you to answer a different question. Um, The word meritocracy is quite the trigger word for Cowboys fans because – it was once said in a very uh, infamous speech by a very famous broadcaster. Um, and uh, DJ Dog 31 asks, uh, how come we can't see a meritocracy at the cornerback position with Anthony Brown? You know, we've seen the Cowboys kind of relegate Leighton Vanderish, Jalen Smith, and now Zeke Elliott to a degree like we just talked about. How is Anthony Brown not, you know, being relegated in favor of Maurice Kennedy or somebody else? Um, I mean, I would like to know the answer. <laughs> Um, (laughs) uh, I mean, I I really, I was a big fan of Kennedy when they first signed him. I was bummed that we didn't get to see him last year. And then through training camp and preseason, he looked pretty good. Um, I know that they have generally liked him more in the slot. So maybe they're just a little hesitant about putting him outside. Um, Although Anthony Brown was also a slot corner for a few years before he moved outside this year. Um, I think that uh, if if I were Dan Quinn, I would at least give Nishan Wright a chance. Um, mm-hmm. And then when Kelvin Joseph comes back from the injured reserve, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him, how quickly he's able to get back into football shape, whether he comes back and plays. But, I mean, they had a pretty open competition at that uh, second cornerback spot, and nobody stole the job from Anthony Brown. Right. So it, I don't, I'm not sure that it's necessarily a case of they want Anthony Brown out there, but rather nobody else proved that they should be out there instead. Mm, they need him on that wall. Uh, everybody, round of applause for Dar- Dorian Ruiz for the Ruiz, excuse me, for the super chat. Thank you very much, Dorian. Uh, goes back to the Bones discussion. Says Bones' excuse is blaming fans. If Bones wants to listen to fan or listen to his fans, then listen to what we all thought about your punt block attempt and know your role. <laughs> um, Tom, I will defect this to you. I saw this tweet from Jeff Cavanaugh, 105 through the fan yesterday when this, this quote was first flying around. It does seem like Bones likes, I don't want to say attention, but he, he likes to be in the mix. Um, I think Bones likes, I think Bones likes the attention that is associated with, holy crap, this watermelon kick. Can't believe you came up with it. Bones wants to have everybody saying what a great job he did to devise the super rare sort of thing. And that, you know, um, ecstasy and chasing it can lead you down the wrong path in life in general, but certainly in professional football as well. Yeah. To me, it 
just he, he just maybe is hanging around Jerry Jones too much and picking up some bad habits. You know, he he just doesn't need to run his mouth in in the, the Ooh, press. Call him out, that. Tom. Do it. Throw him yeah. under the bus. Yeah. Well, I thought that's what we were doing sometimes. Here. <laughs> it's you know, he, I I was I, I was very disappointed Tom, with the Tom. Answer. Sorry, I I have a question because you're right. Okay. But DJ Dog Thirty One says that it's a good poll question for the fans. Were you in favor of this attempt or not? Because we are split here. Uh, it's funny that our our screens are you know set up the way they are. Sturch and I on, on the proper side of this argument. <laughs> uh, Tom, you and Hammond on the other. Tom, in your opinion, and I'll come to you, Hammond and Sturch as well. From what you've seen, because we all follow different people, we all exist in different spaces. What what percent? How would you say this has been split? Do you think you've seen an overwhelming majority of people have said about it, or an overwhelming majority of people fine with it? You know, what's what's your take on the temperature of Cowboys fans? I think most people are upset. The genius is uh, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I just look at the fact that they came so dang close, and they didn't course, come close. It wasn't it really. It wasn't really close. <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't really close. But you know, Tom, I, that's it, like saying, "Man, I had two of the numbers for the lottery. <laughs> it came so close. I almost won." Okay. I mean, is there a payout for that? <laughs> okay, so I didn't. I didn't. I was mostly watching to see if it was actually a, a holding on on him when he got thrown into the. That's the also but, part of. Sorry, Tom. What I hated about his response to, like, you know, I'm not even sure there was a penalty, dude. Yeah. You committed the penalty. <laughs> Own up to it. You know, yeah. like. Like his, yeah. How, Why, Howman? How, how I know you. Do, you're fine with it, but ultimately, the way the letter of the law, you know, played itself out, he did potentially cost the Cowboys three points, and he seemingly has no remorse about that. Yeah, uh, that's not good, Howman. Are, Howman, well, are you okay with this bravado? I I am okay with the, with the with the bravado, mm. and I think I mean I think John Fossil just in general is a very energetic, fun-loving guy. And that's one of the reasons he's had such success with special teams is he gets his players excited about playing special teams. Um, so that carries over to his press conferences naturally. But it actually, when you go back and re-watch the, the, um, the punt block attempt, it, they were actually pretty close. Cedric Wilson coming from <laughs> what would have been the Cowboys' right side, if his arm was like an inch longer, they would have actually gotten a fingertip on the ball and now then that we're debating been, like that, now that his arm needs And if to my grow. aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. <laughs> like, come on, man. We're talking and, about. Oh, go ahead, sorry, Alvin. Well, and and then also there is the the issue of it really looked like Azur Kamara was held and pushed into the punter, and that's what Fossil's referring to when he says, "I don't, I'm not sure that it was a roughing because if if that hold was there and if it's called the way that the Cowboys think it should have been called, and obviously they're biased, but." It looked like that was at least a questionable call to where he could have been uh, pushed in, which would not actually be a roughing penalty. Mm. Mm. Uh, maybe uh, Coach Fossil can uh, work for the league office. You know, once his uh, his days as a special teams coordinator are over, he seems to know a lot about that side of the ball. Uh, Sturge, let's uh, let's pick up. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. We were oh, there. I had Sorry. one point. I had no. You got to bottle it up. Sorry, oh. too bad. Uh, but Sturge, you get the first crack at this. Yay. <laughs> Where should Micah Parsons play? Because this has also this week's incited a few different debates, discussions, moments of discourse, you know, whatever you want to call them. Uh, some people say leave him at defense events, much more impactful position. He can, you know, obviously have a larger influence on the game there. Some people say drop him back at linebacker. Some people say if you don't drop him back to linebacker, then you got to rely on Jalen Smith. 
you're uh, you're the Cowboys defensive coordinator. All of a sudden, uh, Sturge, you can't have any conversations with Fossil. But what do you <laughs> do with Micah Parsons? Yeah, he's going to talk to me about vasectomies. Um, we're going to talk uh, Micah Parsons. When it comes to Micah Parsons, I feel like you know, just based off of what we saw last week, um, he needs to be everywhere. Actually, I'd be blue three sixty five. Just said that, so he needs to be everywhere. But in the re- you know, in the interim with with Demarcus Lawrence out, you know, Gregory coming back, great. We didn't really see much at a you know, we saw a little bit of Bradley and I with a couple nice rushes and you know, and Dorrance Armstrong doing his thing. But Micah Parsons is a special kid, man. We're actually seeing that develop right before our eyes we kind of knew it already drafting the kid but the fact that he's so fast on the edge he really makes the quarterback step up immediately and if that interior can get there there's going to pose a lot of problems now i will say this the only issue i have with leaving micah parsons on the defensive line is that we're going to get jalen smith again and and a lot of jalen smith now again i've been probably the most critical about this guy over anybody else on this roster but and some of it's justified, but I would say I would say most of it's justified. OK, most of it's justified. Um, I would say if if he could continue to play passable football, like make the tackles when he's there, get in the coverage when he has to be, you know, play decent linebacker, then you can you can mess around with Micah Parsons. I know we got Keanu Neal. He can kind of move around, too. But if you want to have Micah Parsons like exceed and, and really start succeeding on the defensive line, you got you to gotta rely on everybody behind him. And that starts with Jalen Smith. So it worries me. As good as Micah Parsons looked and as good as he could probably look against Philly and who's going to spy Jalen Hurts. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of things. You need the speed uh, for when you're dealing with a scrambling quarterback. If you put him on the defensive line on Monday night, you're losing that. You're losing that ability to kind of chase him around. Um, Tom Dennis says the issue is, do you want Armstrong on the field or Jalen? I don't have to ask all three of you. I know how you all feel. Um, lots of Dorrance fans in this building is what I'll leave it at. DJ dog 31 says good points on Micah with Gregory back. Let Micah mirror hurts. Obviously talking about Monday night football, Tom, what do you do here? You have the answer. I would get his snap count up and let him play. When he's on the field, I want the, uh, the the quarterback to be wondering, is he going to be a pass rusher? Is he going to be in coverage? Mm. Uh, so, mm. you know, I want to see him used in both roles enough so that nobody is really sure what's happening with him. Uh, and, and I think the Cowboys have a personnel mix that will allow them to do that, to use him in both roles. And I just think, the only thing I would have changed is I would have had him out there more. He only took 39 snaps and he was wondering himself why he wasn't out there more because he wants to be in on every play. Like I said, he wants to go out and, and play every defensive snap, return punts, maybe go throw the ball a few well, because times as quarterback. He's the Lions always hungry. Play. So <laughs> yes, he's starving. And yeah. I love that about him. And, and I just think they, they found something, uh, and, and I don't want him to be a clear cut because he's one of those rare guys that can be that Leo linebacker, I think, is how it's termed. Um, Halman, I believe you're a Chicago Bulls fan. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this uh, this whole discussion, this has nothing to do with the Bulls, but uh, reminds <laughs> me of, do you remember Zadrunas Ilgaskis, the center for the Cavaliers? Um, I do. When... Uh, so I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan, and when the Cavs played the Spurs in the 07 finals, I remember watching a game with my dad, and my dad was like, that dude is huge. And he said, if I was the Cavaliers coach, that dude would be 
begging me to get off the court because I would just have him stuck around the rim the entire time, like just his hands up type thing. It was a really funny memory that sticks out to me. Um, and I think that's how we're all kind of describing use Michael like that. Like have Mike, like, if he's hungry, feed him. You know what I mean? Like if, if he's hungry, you know, we talk, we, we say feed him a lot when it comes to Zeke. If anybody should be fed, it should be Micah Parsons. I mean, like I want to see like at the, I don't know what the most famous zoo in the country is. I'm not, I actually think the concept of zoos is really dumb, but that's a discussion <laughs> for a different day. Uh, but like at the premier zoos where they bring the like truck of, you know, raw meat and they toss it in the lion's den, do that with Micah. You know what I mean? That's what we want to see. Is that not how we feel? How I, I agree with that. And I think um, when Micah Parsons was in the draft, the number one comp I saw was Adrenus Ilgastus. So that's, a, that's a good call. Um, but I think, I think like Tom said, uh, Micah's value now, having seen what he can do as a, exclusively as a pass rusher, his value now is even greater as a hybrid guy. Is he going to be keying on the run? Is he dropping back in coverage? Is he coming after you as a pass rusher? Is it in the middle of the line? Is it out on the edge? Um, and I would also... Um, I'm very excited about Micah and I liked what I saw, but I would also pump the brakes because it was mostly against a backup right tackle. Mm, there was a, a few times where he went the against, Cowboys, right? mm. <laughs> there was a few times he went against Rashawn Slater and, uh, and he didn't do as well against Rashawn Slater because Slater is a really great young left tackle. Um, Philly has a much better offensive line. So I don't know if Parsons will necessarily have as much success uh, as in, in that same role. And then like others have said, Jalen Hurts is a threat to scramble and run. So using his speed to contain him um, might be a better call. So I think it's going to be one of those things that just based on the matchup each week, based on who, how you want to use Parsons, you can move him all over the field. And that's a really nice thing to have. Mm. Um, okay. You brought us down to earth a little bit. You know, we were all, we were all, um, uh, Charlie and Grandpa floating up to the the ceiling fan <laughs> thing, you know what I mean? And you were like, "Guys, start burping," you know what I mean? Get come back. Okay, I'll end it on a positive reference. note. I'll end it on a positive note. Um, after two weeks, Micah Parsons leads all edge defenders in, or actually, a second among all edge defenders in pass rush win rate. That's pretty that, darn good. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty insane. I mean, it's only been two weeks, to be fair. Um, I saw Cowboys stats and graphic. Great friend, uh, great Twitter account, if you don't follow him. Uh, tweeted out, you know, people were having all these takes this morning. Said, guys, the sample size is about to grow by 50% in a couple of <laughs> days. Uh, so, I, you know, that's an important way to frame that. it. Uh, so, um, let's see here. Um, the Cowboys play the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. I think we all agree this is a must, must, must win game. I have uh, made a wager in case anybody cares with uh, Brandon Lee Gowden of Bleeding Green Nation uh, on this game. If I, if the Cowboys lose, I have to sing Fly Eagles Fly on oh. the NFC's mixtape, which everyone can listen to on the Block on the Boys podcast network. If the Cowboys win and Brandon Lee Gowden is the biggest Cowboys troll out there, BLG has to change his Twitter profile picture to the blog of the boys logo because I am a company man uh, for a week <laughs> and has to tweet out that the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles and that he is sorry about that. So uh, I think, mm, I think, we trade, should, I guess. Let's, yeah, let's all feel confident. The Cowboys next four games, everybody, they are one and one. Uh, they host the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night football. They host the Carolina Panthers the week after that. They host the New York giants and the human turnover 
Daniel Jones, and then they visit the New England Patriots before their bye week. Um, I have something coming out on this next week, so no spoilers and dibs to everyone. Uh, but by the way, the Carolina Panthers play on Thursday night football this week, and the Dallas Cowboys play on Monday night football this week. So the Panthers literally have the longest possible amount of rest outside of coming off of their bye versus the Cowboys coming off the shortest amount of possible rest coming off of Monday Night Football. So for anyone who thinks the league office loves the Cowboys, just think twice is all I'm saying. Uh, but Sturge, I'll start with you. The Cowboys are one and one. What is their record at the bye after the New England game? Uh, they're going to be four and two. Wow. So you want me to sing the song? Let's see how it is. No, no, no. They're, they're winning. They're, they're be- Listen, the net- the one that the one game that I feel like you know gives me a fit in my head is is containing Christian McCaffrey. I don't know why. I just uh, I disagree with this. I'm not afraid of Carolina at all. Matt Rule is uh, a coward. He punted on the Jets 33 <laughs> or 38 yard line last week. I'm not at all scared of Matt Rule. I say we we do work against Daniel Jones and we we give Mac Mac Jones uh you know the the run around. Uh, but Carolina kind of I I picked them as a, a playoff team, so I think Carolina gives oh, us a dude, fit. Sturge, what? Why? Why? I'm, listen, you you know there's nobody more optimistic than me. You know that. Why would whole, you be optimistic in the Panthers? I just I got a feeling about Matt Rule. I don't know. I, I just I got a feeling. That's all. Hmm. Four two is good. <laughs> that's a good six win. That's a good six game start. No, is that Matt Rule calling you, Tom? Uh, you know, <laughs> upset that we're uh, disparaging his name here, uh, Tom. What I, I know you're dealing with that, but uh, when, uh, when you get a moment here, Cowboys again. I think are going to be favored in their next. I think their next three games, the Cowboys were Probably four. Very, very infamously favored in their Thanksgiving matchup against the Panthers when they had come off that win against Miami and the, the Panthers were like 12 and 0 uh, and Tony Romo was back and actually started his last game for the Cowboys. But uh, Tom, what's the Cowboys record after these four games? I think this has got a great chance to be five and one. Oh, Dorian Ruiz agrees with you, Tom. Yeah. So you yeah, are the Panthers I- champion. And I know you were trying to draw that out of me because you were you wanted a reason to yell, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I to me the key is something I've seen that I've got something coming up. Not that I'm promoing myself at all, but this has been a much more versatile uh, coaching staff and, and team. They're just they're just showing something. They are they are not stuck in the mud. They are not you know stubborn about sticking with what they think they do best. You know, and and I did a lot of co- uh, contrast and comparison with the Jason Garrett era, and and also with some of the other uh, coordinators and, and assistant coaches that had that we saw before Mike McCarthy came. And McCarthy himself had a, a, a real blunder, I think, with Mike Nolan, who also tended to be a little bit, we're doing it my way, I don't care what else is going on. We're seeing the, the you know, not just Kellen Moore, but Dan Quinn is showing some of that, that they are looking at their personnel, they're looking at the team they're up against, and they're coming up with solutions where it fits. Instead of battering their heads against the strengths of the other team, they are seeking out the weaknesses and going for it. And, like, it's going to be interesting to see. Does Micah Parsons go back to being more of a linebacker with a kind of secondary role of shadowing Hurts in case he takes off? Uh, you know, I would not be surprised to see him uh, getting far fewer pass rushes with Randy Gregory back on the field. Uh, you know, it might depend a little bit on what's going on with Dorrance Armstrong, who I believe has an ankle issue. It wasn't serious, but there's something that we'll have to watch as practices go on. 
I'm just dying to see how, if they can continue that adaptability and that innovation and throwing stuff like that out there. Because if they can do that, I think the Cowboys have strengths enough areas on both sides of the ball to capitalize on all four of these teams. Mm. All I heard was five and one, Tom, to be honest. Yeah, I know. Everything <laughs> else was just it went one in there. You were like Calvin sitting there in class flaking his spaceman's bill. Um, <laughs> Halman, uh, we've got four and two negative stretch over here. Oh. Uh, we've got stretch thinks we're losing to the Panthers. I mean, you know. Like, listen, I, we could beat the Panthers. I'm just saying. You're, you're telling me in a perfect world, if the Cowboys start five and one, do you understand what's going to happen to Cowboys Nation? Stretch, all I'm saying is that would have been the third game I would have picked to have been a loss here. That's that's of, of these particular four games that would have been the third one i the, the panthers to me there are a handful of frauds in the nfl right now fraudulent two and O teams the panthers are one of them the broncos are another um okay yeah, i'm on so, your side i was uh, very clearly not on my side i mean i want to win obviously I mean, <laughs> no thank you uh halman uh your thoughts on the upcoming four games for the cowboys before the break um, I'm gonna say that their record after this will be four and two, but oh. not because they're not because they're losing to the Panthers. I agree that the Panthers are frauds. Matt Rule yeah. is a coward, um, and I'm not scared of <laughs> I'm not scared of the Eagles. I'm not scared of the Giants. I am worried about playing the Patriots against Bill Great. Belichick in Great New England. Um, he, the, I mean, his teams they you know with Tom Brady without Tom Brady they are very hard to beat when they're at home, and. The Patriots look a little bit better this year than they were last year. Their defense looks better. Mac Jones is playing, not doing a whole lot, but he's more efficient than Cam Newton was last year. Um, so I, I just don't like betting on any team to go into New England and come out of there with a win. Um, and I'm just the Dolphins preemptively. The, yeah, but the Dolphins. The it's Dolphins a division rivalry. It's, it was, yeah. it's a division rivalry. Their head Brian, coach, Brian Flores. Their head like, coach that's a very particular. There's Belichick a reason a why. Sorry, Hamid. There's a reason why the Falcons yeah. also played the Bucks tight, you know, two days ago. It's because <sighs> of division rivalries. Right. I mean, you know, <laughs> Sturch. The point here is the Patriots are a far greater threat in New England to the Cowboys than the Panthers are at AT and T Stadium. I mean, blow blow the doors off of Philly. Blow the doors off of Philly. Like I think they will. Right. I think they will blow the door. Like 14 point win type stuff. If they do that, I, then, that's blowing the doors. You got a low standard for blowing the doors. Like, no, but, <laughs> but look at the scoreboard from an outsider's perspective. Like a 34 20. That's gonna feel like a blowing doors. Only 14 mm, points. I think it's three possessions. That's blowing the doors off to me. Oh, in any event, if the Cowboys handle business with no doubt in mind there after we this week, then we'll then we'll just start to get those optimistic juices flowing again. And I'll start, you know, asking where the parade is after they went in in Hollywood. Common, <laughs> I, I want to ask you another question. Um, this one's only for Hellman. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> so after the bye, the, the, sorry, Tom, the Cowboys visit the Minnesota Vikings, who will also be coming off of their bye. I think, you know, if we. I don't know what the inverse of a fraud is, but the Vikings might be the least fraudulent 0-2 team. You can make a case that they you know, could very easily be 2-0 just for a handful of things. It's not hard to get them there. But narratives build up. And if the Vikings continue to lose, if the Vikings are below 500 entering that bye week, that's the perfect time to pull the ripcord and say, you know what, we're deeper into the season. We have the extra week. We're going to bring in Kellen Mond. This is something I've been saying for a few months since the schedule came out. I can see that. Could you see that? Because that that goes like we're talking about this Cowboys team. I think we all think they're going to win the division. But that, you know, look, I'm not trying to like, you know, hype up 
Kirk Cousins or anything, but there's a huge difference between going up against Kellen Mond and Kirk Cousins in the NFL. And that could be a difference of a game that swings the Cowboys from being 11 and six to 12 and five. I mean, that could go a long way is my point. Um, I mean, I would love to see Kellen Mond. I, I liked him at Texas A&M. Um, and he's, but he's also not as good as Kirk Cousins, uh, at least in his rookie year, he won't be. Um, that would make things easier. Uh, but I, I think you're you're very right about the Vikings not being as bad as their record indicates. Um, they lost in overtime to the Bengals after uh, they ruled a fumble on what looked like the running back was clearly down, and then they got in position for a game-winning field goal against Arizona, and their kicker missed it. So um, those two losses are very easily could have been wins, and their defense looks better. Their offense is. You know, it, it's a Mike Zimmer offense, but it, it's it's getting points scored and it's doing what they need to do. Um, so if Kirk Cousins is playing in that game, I'm pretty worried about that coming off the bye. Agreed. Um, I am going to ask Tom and Sturge each one specific question so everybody gets one here. By the way, Watsamata says the inverse of a fraud is a mouse with the heart of a lion. It's really... That was deep. That's beautiful. That was beautiful. Deep. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> when you think about that, like that's... There's you know, your poet. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Um, okay, Tom. So your specific question, this is just for Tom Ryle, is what do you have to see on Monday night? Because we, we're living in this moment of like, we kind of want to believe we're not sure we're ready. You know, we're willing, but there are certain things holding us back. Yes, there are fundamental things from the Cowboys that are improving that we can buy into. But what I mean, obviously, they got, they got to win. But what specific thing? And it can't be this like, ambiguous thing like i need a very specific data point sort of thing that you have to see from the cowboys or you will call them frauds next tuesday i would have to say i have to see them not give up some of the uh longer plays like i felt they gave up against the chargers mm, like that first have. keenan allen one just wide open yeah uh if if they can cut those down and and not do that then i think this team can go really well because i think that will mean the defense is is seriously moving up into that middle range where with the, the offense that the Cowboys have that I've got faith they're still going to have against the Eagles. But if that defense is as middle range as we've been saying for a long time, the Cowboys can win a whole lot of football games with that combination. Mm. Good answer, Tom. You are the new Watsamata. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Sturge, the, the most homery question is for our resident Homer. Um, <laughs> I think we all believe, just thumbs up, this is bad for the podcast science, but thumbs up, you agree the Cowboys are winning the NFC East, right? We all agree. We're all here. Thumbs up. That Yeah, thank you, Hellman, the gigum for Texas A&M. Uh, but Sturge, um, th- the Cowboys are the what best team in the NFC right now, today? You, you know what's funny? It's oh, I'm glad you asked that. I think they're the thank third you. best. I think they're the third best team in the NFC right now. I put Let them us behind. Guess. Let us guess. Let us Go guess. Ahead. Go ahead. Tom, who are your two guesses for who he has ahead of the Cowboys in the NFC? The Bucks and the Packers. No. Uh, okay. No. No. Sorry. In the NFC, <laughs> be cool. Uh, Howman, your guess. Um. Well, one of them's definitely got to be the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great point. Well played, sir. Uh. So the uh. Who are you? I hope. I kind of want that to be one of your two teams. Who are your two teams, Howman? Um. Two teams that I think are better, or two no, teams no, no. That, that you think uh, Sturge thinks are better than the Cowboys in the NFC. I I guess the Bucks and the Panthers. Going with yourself. I will say the Bucks and the Rams yeah. is my guess. Yeah, uh, it's, the, it's definitely it's the Bucks and the Rams. And uh, after watching the Packers defense kind of struggle yesterday, I kind of put the Dallas Cowboys defense even better than them, which is kind of 
crazy if you really think about this. Like we're talking about the team that was one of the worst defenses we've ever seen, uh, but they're really coming around, and I'm really getting excited about them. Uh, but I think right now the Bucks are just kind of leaps and bounds. We could beat the Bucks. We should have beat the Bucks. We could have beat the Bucks. Um, what we do if we went toe to toe with the Rams and that you know that passing attack and that defense? I don't know, but I, I put the Dallas Cowboys at, at three right now in week two or week going into week three of the NFL season. I think the Cardinals are better right now. Um, I think if the Fair. if if the season ended, I, sorry, Hammond, but if the season ended today, I, and which is a dumb thing to say, Kyler Murray wins MVP <laughs> just because of his production right now. Like, and MVP is a big narrative thing. I think Kyler would go a long way. Uh, we've got another one. Round of applause, please, here on the roundtable from for Dorian Reese for the super chat. Thank you, Dorian. Says last season, RD didn't have the tools to go against other teams. You just mentioned the Sturge. Uh, weak links. Now we do with a defensive coordinator that is exposing it and only going to get better. Tom, is Dan Quinn your favorite new thing on the Dallas Cowboys? If we, if you can't say Micah Parsons, so because we would all do that. But other than Micah, is Dan Quinn your favorite new toy? I, I would say my favorite new toy, and this is going to go with a little bit of a dark horse, is Osa Adigizua. Mm. He is quietly doing some really good work <laughs> in the middle of the line. Halman, your favorite new toy. And now you can't say Osa. <laughs> um, I mean, I will I will buy the Dan Quinn stock and say Dan Quinn is, is my favorite. Um, I, I thought he was a great hire when they announced it. Um, I'm even more impressed to see just how much he has changed his scheme since he left Atlanta. Um, because that was, that was also one of the reasons I didn't love the Micah Parsons pick when it was first announced, because he's sort of that forward going pass rushing kind of linebacker. And uh, Dan Quinn traditionally hasn't been the guy that uses his linebackers that way. And he has come in and said, we're going to use our players to do what they're best at, which is what Mike Nolan was supposed to do last year. Uh, and now Dan Quinn's actually doing it. So um, very, very happy with what we've seen from him so far, and that defense is only going to get better. Yeah, I think if there's any team stretch the Cowboys blow the doors off of, it's Atlanta when the Cowboys face them. Some of that's who they are. Some of that's revenge game too. Um, but if you look at you know the Cowboys EPA per play on offense and the uh, Falcons defensive EPA per play allowed, it's I think the widest disparity of any potential matchup they have on the offensive side of the ball, at least at this particular moment of the season. So, um, you know, either it's going to be a fun afternoon. Dan Quinn might not have to do much is, is I guess my point, but uh, Sturge, your favorite new toy. Can't say Micah. Can't say Osa. Can't say Dan Quinn. I have the right answer for what it's worth, but you can go uh, why not? Uh, I Tom took a dark horse. Why not me? I'm a, I'm all of a sudden on this big Casey kick. I'm, I'm big on Casey right now. I think that play he made the other day was just like one of those things. Where like, wait, the Dallas secondary just made that play. Is that are you sure that just happened? So like, I, I think he just jumped up my board of of favorite people. Him and Curse, both of these guys. I, I don't want to like take away, but like he stood there. You know I know. what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, he right place, right time, RJ. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, like, like. If we want to fawn over Trayvon's interception, like let's do it. You well, you said I mean? new toy. Trayvon's not a new toy, so I, I can't. No, really... no, no. But I'm saying like you know the Demonte's interception and even the fumble he forced, you know, is was a little bit fortuitous. But you know, like I don't, I'm not taking away two turnovers from the team. But you know, whatever. I was gonna say Jaron Curse. So thanks for ruining that search. Oh, uh, sorry. He might be the biggest surprise of the entire defensive additions. We all expected Micah to be good. We had hopes for DeMonte. We had some mild hopes for Oso. We were obviously hopeful for Dan Quinn. But Jaron Kerr showing up last week was incredible. 
and hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Malik Hooker, though, even looks good. I mean, Tom, you yeah. touched on it. There's a number of safeties. Like, Donovan Wilson was not missed. Uh, all due respect to the fight in Texas Aggie. But, I mean, that's, you know, that's nuts to think about. Like, When's really the last time crazy. you could say that? Yeah, yeah, when's the last time you can say we have more safeties? <laughs> yeah, it was it was if if you took them collectively, the three new additions, the 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 bargain basement free agents that we're probably not gonna have next year, unfortunately, but collectively as the new toy, that would be the hands down winner to me. Um, okay, let's uh let's wrap up. Uh Sturge, we'll start with you. One thing you want every Cowboys fan to know as the week continues to unfold. I want the cowboy. Wait, what? what say that again. Reword that one. <laughs> very, very simple question. Was one, it <laughs> one thing you want every Cowboys fan to know over the rest of the week, leading okay. into, the, into the Monday night game? One thing that I want all Cowboys fans to know right now is that we have Ezekiel Elliott and uh, and 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 Tony Pollard and not first and two running backs studs. We got two running backs. Stop the debate. There's no debate. We're gonna use them both. It's gonna be wonderful. Mm. Are you the guy who types out the word and, or do you use the symbol? Uh, usually I'm a typer, so I'll just do and. Mm. I'll, I'll actually it's type it's out a little bit more and. work on, on your phone, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a hustler. Halman, <laughs> one thing you want every Cowboys fan to know. One thing that I want Cowboys fans to know is – Every Cowboys fan, not just – every, every every Cowboys <laughs> fan. So we, we were talking in the offseason, like, if this offense is playing like we know it can with Dak and Kellen – all we need is for the defense to just be average and they can win plenty of games and they can make a run through two games. When you look at their, the Cowboys defensive EPA per play, they're right at that middle line, mm-hmm. that average. So through two games and keep in mind, two games against Tom Brady and Justin Herbert, they're an average defense. Now we'll see how that continues going forward, but it's a good sign to your point. Those uh, Halman, we've seen that before, right? Like, and not just from a defensive perspective, but you're right. The defensive EPA per play, right there. I was, you know, it's really weird to see Houston there too. Although, granted, they played Trevor Lawrence, and you know, hey, uh, but um, we we've have kind of seen the rising to the occasion before, right? And then the bottoming out when you play some subpar competition. So while on paper, and I'm totally with you, but on paper it looks like okay, well, you've you've made it through, you know. You've, you're you're out the tunnel. You're Andy Dufresne now. You're free, and you know this is generally when they kind of relax and they let their guard down, and you know things are harder to square from a logic standpoint. But I, I agree with you completely, uh, Tom. One thing that you these I said want to these guys. One thing you need every Cowboys fan to know over the rest of the week. In Kellen Moore, we can trust because I loved his game plan last last week. Now, now, RJ, 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 what is the one thing you believe every Cowboys fan needs to know? Ooh, um, surprise question. Um, Not so easy when it's flipped on the script, is it? (laughs) I will say, and I, I mean, I think that a lot of people know this, but I don't think that they, like, know it you know, like in their bones know it, that we are seeing the most impressive Dallas Cowboys rookie season since Zach Martin for Micah Parsons. Like that's, that's where I think we remember CD lamb last year. And obviously it's, you know, wasn't, wasn't fair to CD the rookie. I think we would have you know, certainly seen an incredible performance if Dak Prescott had stayed healthy, but you know, 
I th- I don't think we properly even still seven years later contextualize what Zach Martin did as a rookie. I think everybody kind of like fawns over what Quentin Nelson did and what he has done. It's like Zach Martin was doing this, you know, way before Quentin Nelson ever got to the NFL. If Odell Beckham hadn't had the, I mean, he was a phenomenal rookie, but if he hadn't had that one signature moment, I think there's a case that Zach Martin wins offensive rookie of the year that year was an all pro. And I think that we're seeing that. And I, not to diminish what Zach Martin did as a rookie at guard, which is very difficult, but I think it might be more impressive when Micah Parsons does it here. He almost single-handedly has elevated a group that has been subpar for what a decade. I know they had, you know, they had a great, you know, second half of the season in 2018. You touched on Howman. They were very lucky in the turnover department in 2016 or 2014, excuse me. I mean, so they they've had they've had things that they've caught lightning in a bottle before, but but Micah is the lightning. You know what I mean? And that's that's a really nice place to be at. I I think I think you all would agree. There's there's now a, a player on the Cowboys defense, all due respect to Trayvon Diggs and Demarcus Lawrence, but that when he's on the field, you feel like there's a superstar out there that can change this game. I've never I believe in Demarcus Lawrence and Trayvon Diggs, but I've never felt to that degree about them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, definitely. I mean, without question. Can I ask a question to Tom? Or to all of you, real quick. Oh, Tom, it's your well because question. of because because he's the one who said in Kellen Moore we trust. I understand that he's rocking and rolling right now, and the offense is gonna look even better probably against Philadelphia. But I have a question, and I I, I can't figure it out for the life of me. Every time there's a big play, right? Every time there's a big play, and people are like, "That was great. Let's see what they do next." There's a trick play. Why? 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 Why are we getting cute? Why? I don't want to turn this negative or anything like that. But why? I need to know in my psyche. Like, am I losing my mind when I see three linemen on the line and fifteen receivers flanked out and nobody knows what's going on? And then they do something cute and they throw it behind. Do you know that like nine times out of ten, their cute little plays go for negative yardage? I mean, am I am I crazy when I think that? So that's what I think, makes me. I think you're crazy. I think and that's Tom's question, but I'll answer. I think you're crazy. Uh, Kellen can do whatever. I mean, oh okay, he's he's yeah. okay, he's yeah. anointed. All right, good. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, I like the fact that he's willing to try some things and 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 the time and a place out there. Yeah. <laughs> And admittedly, the first two games this season might not have been the, the place to be trying some stuff. But with really wanting to get the wins, maybe it was it was when you go in. I mean, the the weird play with with Tyron Smith uh, out there on the edge blocking went for 15 yards. That was a good solid play. So, you know, I I just I think he is creative, and I think he is doing some of the best game planning we have seen with the Cowboys since, I don't know, Jimmy Johnson. And so I'm just, I'm really excited about what's happening there. And that's why I've, I've got a lot of faith in him and I'm going to savor every minute until either somebody hires him away or Jerry Jones He's money not going anywhere. Him to keep him around. He's Kellen, not going Kellen's anywhere. going to be the head coach of the <laughs> oh. Bengals or the Bears next year. Oh. It's going to suck, <laughs> but I mean, he is. I will say to add to that, uh, and then I have a question for Halman specifically since you isolated us, <laughs> Um I, I don't think it was made a big enough deal. Kellen's quote on Monday when he was asked what the disposition of the offense was, was to aggressively attack what the defense gives them. And that first word is so important. And we, we talk about egos. We talked about John Fossil's ego to a degree. Kellen's ego is is not there to say this is my offense. I learned this from Chris Peterson, you know, Boise forever, Bluefields, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Kellen is just that. Like, Kellen is like the low hanging fruit 
is is you know edible you know what i mean and, and kellen is aware of that and there are a lot of offensive minds in the nfl who aren't like matt nagy or zach taylor who are like nope we're gonna do it this way and we have to figure it out kellen's like dude like Jason quickest path to the end zone is through the air or i mean i didn't want to be mean you know i you know, whatever <laughs> but um Halman, my question uh for you is about mike mccarthy and this is a hard question to answer which is why i saved it for you what does he have to do to earn credit because I don't know that he will. I, I really don't. I think that we, we fall into this line of thinking people do where any defensive success is now, you know, attributed to Dan Quinn. Any offensive success is attributed to Kellen Moore. I'm not saying that those people shouldn't be credited. If and when there's a blocked punt, it's going to – all these people are going to add us on Twitter. I told you, you got to be aggressive, John Fossil, blah, blah. So, like, what is – I mean, and maybe that's just, you know, his – you know, his role is to be that guy to bear that burden. But what does Mike McCarthy have to do to get even an ounce of credit? Um, I mean, it's a good question. What What does it Thank take you. for Cowboys fans <laughs> to be satisfied? <laughs> so I feel like it's it's very hard. Um, but my answer would be what what Tom is saying. He needs to win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's why that's why they went out and got Mike McCarthy and. The only the only other person that they interviewed was Marvin Lewis, and then they were like, "We're gonna we're not even gonna look at Lincoln Riley, Matt Rule, uh, anybody else. We're getting Mike McCarthy because he won a Super Bowl in Green Bay, and he won a whole lot of other games in the regular season. And we want somebody who, where whereas Jason Garrett was always learning on the job of what it means to be a head coach, Mike's done this and he's done it at the highest level. That's why we brought him in. So if he doesn't win a Super Bowl here, which Odds are against him because no other head coach has won a Super Bowl with two different teams before. So he would be the first. But um, if he doesn't win that Super Bowl with the Cowboys, then ultimately his time here will be looked at as a failure. I agree with you. And I think, you know, Tom, you just showered Kellen Moore with love and praise. And we all did except for Sturge. And, you know, (laughs) like Mike McCarthy has said, and I think this is a really like incredible admission of humility he has said multiple times that when he took the job, the most important thing was Dak Prescott. And the most important thing was continuity for Dak in the offense. And the most important thing was Kellen Moore. I mean, and that's where, like, I think people are unfair to him. I'm not trying to turn this into, like, a caping from Mike McCarthy situation. But, I mean, you know, it's, oh, he's lazy. He wants to let Kellen Moore, you know, do the play calling. It's like, no, maybe he's he's just aware that that's – that's the way things have gone. So he doesn't want to disrupt it. Uh, last one here. Uh, big round of applause. Once again, Dorian Ruiz keeping the lights on around here. Uh, super chat. Uh, a super chat for you, Hellman, says David. Or maybe, I don't know. You guys ruined this by having the same name. Sorry. Uh, uh, so to both of you, David, average is not sacks, turnovers, and stops. Last I checked, we are plus four in turnovers. Ben, don't break, just saying. Um, I don't know that either of you necessarily attacked um, the, you know, the lack yeah, of turnovers I, or something. Um, no, no. I I, Dale Dale <laughs> says how beard, which makes me think this is. A, I don't know which one of you this is a question for, uh, or maybe it's Halman because you're the one with the beard. It's better, obviously. Um, oh, so, yeah. Kill him. Um, anyway, last one from for real from Watsamata says I always want to give Mike McCarthy a chance. Want to believe in him. Sometimes difficult. End game clock management. Hiring uh, Mike Nolan, but Ooh. also I think we brought a winning culture, willingness to get out of rut. That's a thing. Like. I do think Mike McCarthy is, you know, he's a bit more of a hard ass. And I like that. You know, he's he's not as willing to to be, you know, political, not in a literal sense, but as Jason Garrett. You know, a few or last week, 
uh, or two weeks ago when he was he said, yeah, you know, a couple more players were added to the COVID list during his press conference. And he was pressed. He was like, well, who are they? And he was like, oh, yeah, you'll find out. You know, like he's I love that about him. I, I really do. I like that he's willing to just kind of do things the way he 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 wants to. And I love that last week, a week ago, actually, when Jerry Jones went on 105 through the fan and said Terrence Steele was starting a right tackle, that he refused to confirm that. That's a small thing, but I love that. I love that he's like, hell no. Like, I'm the head coach. You know, I this is my job. By the way, uh, Halman, thank you for the comment. Deep Fried Sexy says, great hosting, RJ. So, good job by me. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, one last word. Tom, it could actually think, be a statement. It doesn't have to be a word. Just so. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say that Mike McCarthy may never get the credit because he's a walk-around head coach, not serving as one of his own coordinators. Uh, so, he may never get the credit. Uh, people don't appreciate culture building and trusting your coordinators to do their job, which right now that seems to be what he's doing. And I think that's the way to go. Halman, one last word. One thing that Mike McCarthy should get credit for is being hands off in Dallas because in Green Bay, he was calling plays. There was one year where he stopped calling plays and afterwards said, I'll never do that again. He shows up in Dallas and Kellen Moore has just had a phenomenal first year. And he says, actually, I'll do it again. I'll let him call plays. I'm smart enough to give up that control, which is a very hard thing for many coaches in the NFL to many give up Many people control. in the world. Like, many people just, in general. Yeah. Um, and and he, he was smart enough to recognize, I have a great offensive coordinator. I'm going to let him do his thing. And I'm going to trust in Kellen Moore. Mm. Halman wins MVP. Sorry, Stretch, unless you can have a, a final word that tops that, but I don't think you can if I'm being honest with you. About Mike McCarthy? <laughs> About anything. It's your last word. Uh, my, my, yeah, first of all, my beard's better. I, I maintain this bad boy like it's just my pride and joy. I will say this. Uh, I haven't been to Dallas in two years. I'm returning Monday Night That's Football. Right. I'm very excited to get there. Give us there. all the details. When you're arriving, what what time? Give us it all oh, before yeah. you leave. Uh, I'm going there. Yeah, Saturday night. Going to hang out with Brett Ernst. He's got Dallas Comedy Club right in Dallas, so that'll be fun. Explain He's, who that is. Start, you know, Brett Ernst is a, a nationally known comedian. He's, He's a Jersey. co-host on the he podcast is, I was, for us. I was there next. In. I was there next. He's the co-host of my Jersey Boys podcast. Uh, he's a very funny dude. He's actually in Cobra Kai. If anybody's seen that, he's Danny LaRusso's cousin, uh, the car salesman. But anyway, he's he's opening up the Dallas Comedy Club. I got to find somewhere to go on Sunday. So hopefully maybe some of Cowboys Nation can kind of chime in. Where am I watching football on Sunday? I can go anywhere. It's just me. So I'm just going to go. And then, of course, Monday Night Football will be there, and the Cowboys are going to win by 14. Ooh. Blowing there the doors is. off. Blowing the yeah. doors off. <laughs> yeah, they better you know win by fourteen because they're gonna need some positive momentum going into that Panthers game. Um, all right, guys. Uh, thanks everyone for uh, for joining us. Uh, subscribe here to the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel. Subscribe to the Blog of the Boys podcast network. Follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Ryle BTB. Follow Halman on Twitter at underscore dh. 44, not Zajunis Lagoskis' number with an underscore at the end. Follow Sturch on Twitter at Dave Sturchio and go stalk him in the DFW area. Socially distanced, of course. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you next time.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.